heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. And uh, you're hearing it's over on KFOR 101.5 FM, 1240 AM. Streaming, KFOR And if you're just getting that uh, coffee made in the kitchen, you know, you can watch and follow the show on different social media platforms. You can watch the entire show on Hale Varsity's YouTube channel, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. Give that a follow at H Varsity Radio and uh, three different platforms on KFOR. Get your news, your sports, all the uh, things around the capital city, KFOR Facebook, KFOR Sports Facebook, and at KFOR Radio for Twitter. Cranach, Elijah, how's the week? You guys hanging in? Here it goes, man. Yeah, doing doing just fine. Got really excited when I saw your uh, your textual uh, textual relation this morning, and, and you sent the fact that that's what they're called, Elijah. I'm just kidding. I didn't, really I didn't like hearing it out uh, loud. <laughs> wow. So I was excited when I saw that this morning about uh, – the Rayolas, and I couldn't help but think that we're on like basically TMZ at this point. Um, like this, I mean, honestly, like, this, can we just well, start the paparazzi following the Rayolas? There, just so everybody knows, Mitch Sherman is reporting the Rayolas are in Nebraska. They're and in good the- for Mitch. Mitch, dear friend of the show, does a great job with the athletic. And I'm not hey, him. I'm no, 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 no. I know, I know. But wh- why we're just leading stop- with that on our radio show this morning? No, I know. But why stop with? The paparazzi take. Well, well, the thing is, is this is a guy in, in what town. What happened to Diana? <laughs> like, no, no. My my take is, let's just give them their own show as part of an NIL deal. Uh, Reality shows, the Riolas. Oh, that's all I'm saying, dude. I actually Papar- really like that idea. Paparazzi's <laughs> one thing. Let's just give them their own show, like the Osbournes. Rolling with the Riolas. We already yes. named it. We're good. Done. We- Go on Canva. Let's I mean, come up with a logo. Who doesn't want to see Papa Bear? Because we covered him in college. 
Yeah. Dominic Raiola, fierce. Dude yeah. that hates Texas and said it at a press conference. Yeah. Who doesn't want to see him bring out his inner Tony Soprano and, and like throw a half empty bottle of, uh, of orange juice because it had pulp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be pretty good. So they're in town right now. It's a recruiting dead period, but, but. Uncle Donnie is in town. Uncle, Uncle Donnie's in town. And so, and there is no rule prohibiting relatives from hanging out with one another. The NCAA has been good enough to not institute that rule. <laughs> you, know? you cannot not see Sorry. your uncle. It's funny. You we're we're, we're talking family. about this whole thing, and it's just a quote-unquote family visit. There's no, I'm sure, tie to recruiting whatsoever here with this visit. Uh, I don't think that there there could be any possibility that this has anything to do with his recruitment to Nebraska. That's just way too far out there for me. Uh, I'm kidding, Mark. I say that sarcastically. Like That's what I think is so funny period. about the NCAA rules is it's a dead period. Why else would he be in Nebraska? This you think he's just planning a, a February visit to Nebraska because be it's so beautiful? It's be Fifty degrees today. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be in Nebraska? Yeah. Uh, what's the what's the temperature like in Phoenix today, Schmitty? I, I checked with mom last night, and uh, she was able to golf. It was in her, in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. there's 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 a crispness you don't get in the desert here in Nebraska. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And Donovan's got a big day planned at the Children's Museum and the zoo for the kids. You know, it's, it's going to be a great time. They're, they're well, going to get T-shirts made. Huh? They're going to commemorate and, this whole and they thing. May, and they may check out uh, Nebraska trying to win, what is it, their fifth straight? So maybe they're just basketball fans. That's another good point. You know, I, don't know that Arizona, I don't know that Arizona or Arizona State's uh, – uh, home this weekend. So well, and ever since Alonzo Verge left Arizona State, like you know, they just haven't been the same. It hasn't. It hasn't been as much of a great watch, right? Sure. So that's why you got to come north to see good hoops. That's uh-huh. what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> Dominic Rayola, big hoops fan. Uh, sure, sure, big hoops guy. Really likes. Really likes what uh, what Sam Hoiberg's doing, and just wants to see it in person. Confirm and per- right. Mm. It's one thing to see it on TV. But you got to see it in person, right? And then he's also he's also inspiring young Dayton Rayola, who I believe is a who's freshman. pretty pretty talented, and and I think he's the tallest Rayola, if if yeah. memory serves. Shout out to Cliff, thank you for your service, good man. As uh, Cliff is checking us out uh, from Elgin oh, Air Force Base in no, Florida, Eglin, Eglin, yeah. Eglin, G before oh. L. I need to. I do need glasses, dude. I was trying to look at um, the washing instructions on a pair of slacks. I couldn't yeah. read so <laughs> I need some glasses. I'll send you over to my no, eye doctor. He's the, the best. He's the best. Yeah, that's so Eglin. That's up in the Panhandle. Okay. Yeah, I don't know exactly where, but it's up. I know it's. Yeah. I just. I just know I wouldn't want to go to war against what's going on up there. It's fighter jets. Mark, I just want to get back to your original point, though, about the the paparazzi surrounding the Riolas this weekend. It's funny because, like, the Pied Piper of this was Matt Rule on Twitter last night. He's out there tweeting, like, class of 2024 kid, uh, where's number one? Well, it's all in emoji form. This is how you decipher. But it's like, class 2024, where's number one? He's flying home. Like... That was the emoji trail, and I went, man, like, rules kind of calling for everyone to go figure out who the hell this kid is on the flight flying home. Like, that was the emoji, fly home, 
with a number one, yeah. which is the number that Ryola wears in high school. And you go, he's like calling for people to go mob Dylan Ryola at the airport. That's what he's calling for, essentially. <laughs> and, then, and then that's yeah, when you get on the message boards. <laughs> you people getting pictures. Pretty good Friday. Pretty good Friday for uh, Coach Rule. Uh, they won at tug of war, and uh, they had the Riolas visit. Hey, by the way, Cliff in the in the stream just uh, clarifies that Eglin is across from Destin, and Destin Des- is where Coach O likes to frequent. And near Destin, around that area, is where you can get some royal red shrimp. Have you ever had those? No, like baby tell lobster. me exactly. About it. You haven't had them because this is what I understand. Cliff would probably know better, but from what I understand, they there's not a, a ton of them. And they and they, you know, they 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 naturally occur like right off of the shelf there in the Gulf. The red, but there's a limited catch, and so they really don't make their way past like the Panhandle because there's just not enough of them. And you just, oh man, you just steam them. That's all they do is they steam them, just eat them. Right? Oh, they are very good. The, the you, like, you and uh, you and uh, you and Bubba Gump. I mean, uh, steam away. Uh, pretty you, cool day red. yesterday for Nebraska athletics for women in sports with uh, Nebraska and uh, their announcement. Volleyball day. Cranach, you're a proud volleyball dad. Uh, yeah. And it's it's going to be quite an undertaking with packing that stadium, man, uh, loading it up and seeing just how many folks can, uh, can, can pack Memorial Stadium ahead of a concert. Uh, it's going to be there. It's going to be must-see volleyball for – not just Nebraska, but UNO has a great program uh, with their coach, Buttermore, and, and um, also uh, UNK and, and, of course, Wayne State. So what a showcase, man. What a showcase it's going to be. And Nebraska able to do a little bit of a, a flex and then do a, a major flex on Wisconsin and put a really cool tribute. I mean, this is, this is uh, a lot to do with – uh, women's athletics celebrating Title IX and going big uh, with reclaiming the uh, sellout, or I should say the, the 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 record, the attendance record. But this is also a lot to do with with John Cook and giving him a, a tip of the old cowboy hat. Yeah, it's it's good stuff, and they're gonna. I think they're gonna. They release what the configuration is gonna look like, and essentially they're gonna kind of use one half. Looks like North Stadium. The, the the court is going to be running parallel with the goal line, basically, uh, closer to the North Stadium because right around midfield, there's going to be a concert stage because there's a to-be-announced performer that's playing then. So you're probably looking at, you know, I'm guessing like forty to 50,000, roughly, is probably what their target's going to be. But Trev did uh, say it's that... It's not going to be the full stadium. Trev did say that their goal is that they sell enough tickets that they have to move that volleyball court further and further south. So I assume that means you start with the North Stadium, you sell that out, you move south as the stadium goes on. Now, as I think about it, I go, I'm pretty sure that's the first week classes in session for students. You're going to have to have some sort of student section. I'm trying to think where that would go in the stadium. That You could get a, a good chunk of students there. It's a Wednesday night. What do you have better to do during syllabus week than go hang out, watch a concert, watch some Husker volleyball with, with all your friends and maybe a couple drinks? Like. I, I, I think yeah, you get a lot they're of trying to, there. trying to sell alcohol there too. Yeah. And, and then as as the stadium fills out to the south, they hope to move that volleyball court further and further south towards midfield so that people can get a, a better view. And I don't know. I'm not going to count Husker Nation out. There was the quote from Ronnie Green yesterday that 
you know what? Husker Volleyball's got to preserve the sellout streak, whether it's in Devaney or whether it's in Memorial. you got to sell the place out. So that's, <laughs> that's what they're going for. Oh, jeez. That's, you know... It's, On your way out the door, just uh, pull that pin. <laughs> you know, just logistically, that's going to be really interesting, too, because think of August 30th. I mean, you could be looking at 101 degrees, stifling humidity, right? Like, it could be a pretty, pretty rough weather day. Could also get just completely rained out, and then it's like, ah, damn. And they have to move the thing indoors. That don't, could don't, don't put, don't even put that in the ether. Don't even put that out there. And just, hey, man, listen, it happened. It happened to this one guy that used to coach here uh, on his debut, <laughs> wow. his long awaited debut. It, it, it happens. You just got to be careful with the weather around here. And, and then, let alone the weather being a factor in actual volleyball, right? That's totally different. Like when you watch people play beach volleyball outside, the wind changes everything. So there will be a lot of intrigue there, and uh, it, it that's that's a really cool idea, though. That's one of those things. That, like as soon as you see it, as soon as you hear the news, your immediate reaction is like, "That's perfect." Like, of course, yes, do that. You know, there's like nothing at all to to criticize about it, something like that, which is just great. And and you're seeing that with with Trev and company. I think for the most part is. You know they're they're really trying some cool stuff, right? Got the new building coming in. That's that's good. They're uh, you're paying out the, you know what, for a football coach. You're playing volleyball outside. Like things are moving. If you know the momentum feels very positive right now around the department. It it does it does. And to add to that momentum, you've got a basketball team that has kind of flipped the script. Despite, what an atmosphere last weekend! Was yeah, great. wasn't it? I mean, we got to, we had to catch up in the rail yard beforehand, and man, it took you back to when you and I were in college. I mean, when they had yeah. some some teams, some dudes, and yeah. this team's been a, a group of guys that just won't quit. Uh, I don't know where I'm at today. They're favored by nine against Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my my trust level is yeah they they probably should win if they stub their toe today. Uh, I wouldn't completely be surprised. It'd be a, it'd be a monster letdown, but as a Nebraska basketball fan, you're like, you're, you're cautious. It's like you're watching a a horror movie historically. Uh, You're you're afraid someone's going to jump out of the bushes on you. So I think they get it done, but just I'd take the nine (laughs) and Minnesota today. Fair, uh, right. it's not a deep bench, you know. It, no. I mean, you lost two frontline guys, obviously that that hurts on a smaller size basketball roster. Um, but they're, I mean, they're only going seven like regular players, and then they've had a week off. Eight, if you include Breidenbach, that's kind of it, though, right? They're, that's they're playing eight. You know, we that's were talking re- reality shows, and you know the the you know, Riola roundup or what, what did you title it? I'm sorry. Rolling with the Riolas. Rolling with the Riolas. Yeah. You know, a a really good prank show would be to get Wilhelm Breidenbach to walk into like a UPS store with a box. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, delivery? Like mailman? No, just I'm I'm joking. I'm I'm saying (laughs) because he's got that Kaczynski look. Oh, <laughs> oh! See, I was thinking like step one, cut a hole in the box. No, no one. No, no one. <laughs> no, I'm saying you give him some shades and a and a, and a hoodie. 
Oh, I, I didn't know we were going Unabomber <laughs> this morning. <laughs> And you just get a, yeah, you have a, a cam planted on his shirt and uh, you just see the reaction now, of the clerk. We've, we've gone off the what, rails. <laughs> if he starts, if he starts draining some threes though, he's going to hit, and he'll he hit three today. And he hit, and he switches his number to one. We can absolutely call him the Unabomber at that point. Oh my right? God. <laughs> we could with it, with an I, not, it, not with an A because that would be inappropriate and. You know, yeah. we don't want to. Yeah, but the unit Sad. bummer. That's a great nickname <laughs> for Brad Buck, right? Oh, that would be good. The t-shirts sell themselves. They do, right? It's just it's his silhouette kind of mug. <laughs> you know, the A's crossed out, switched with an I. Right? Perfect. Perfect. You sell that right next to the Rolling with Riola shirt. Uh huh. We got all sorts of serious NIL. money on this NIL NIL <laughs> opportunities. Oh wow! Um, yeah, that, that's. I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll rewind here coming up. Uh, Husker great Bo Reed, uh, his take on the state of basketball. Uh, you had three uh, more assistants talk today or this week with Nebraska football and guys, not as long either. Those guys no, didn't go as long as well, the other ones. And, and we were talking this week that that marks the last of the full-time assistants to go up and meet the media. And I think they put the guys up there that probably like to talk the least. They're like, yeah, we can just save you guys for, for last. I, we know you guys don't want to talk to the media. I, none of those guys, aside from Campbell, like Dvorak and, and Riola, especially did not seem like they really cared to be, to be meeting with the media. And that there's some guys in that staff that seem like they like talking with the media, um, I think of Evan mm-hmm. Cooper. Guy really likes talking with the yeah. media. At least it seems like uh, Matt Rule obviously likes talking with the media. Seemed to me like uh, Coach Shatterfield liked talking with the media. A good majority of these guys like to. I think they saved the guys that did not want to talk to the media. Maybe they're not good at it. They put those guys last because, I mean, Schmidt and I were talking. We've got some really good insight from uh, these coaches over the past couple weeks with these little things. And these guys, it was short. You didn't get all that much insight. I think it's just because no. these guys probably weren't as comfortable up there as some other assistant coaches. Maybe that's why they were yeah. saved for last. That's well, funny. I want to I want to focus on on uh, Donnie Riola mm. and you know his his time up there and specifically just what he had to say and that was listen it's the same voice they got better and there's you know there's belief right I mean and and you see the old Ted Lasso episode believe first thing he does is put that above his office door but as we look at the offensive line and there were lots of problems with Nebraska football a year ago, what percentage would you hang on the O line? Or is that more about the, 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 the philosophy play calling and, Oh yeah, by the way, here's an interim coach who won some ball games. So I'm not knocking Mickey at all, but it was just, it was a monster mess. And then by the way, the, the, the run game was 102nd. Your pass protection was allowing almost three sacks a game. But by Iowa, you had Casey Thompson go 20 or 30 for 280 yards, and he had enough time to get downtown to Trey Palmer. Yeah. So I don't disagree that they got better. Uh, you were just down to a second or third or a fourth team quarterback. You had a running back that was seeing ghosts and trying to do a lot of it on his own. Uh, 
Uh, You had six different lineups throughout the year on the offensive line, and you lost Teddy. I mean, and you had had lost Teddy for uh, much of the season anyway, so you were still trying to get things figured out. He didn't have Nuri. All right. And and a guy that I think could be a good barometer with this offensive line is ceiling and upside with a guy like Ben Hart, right? Where does he stick? Where does he settle? What does he earn? Because think think about this O line of if Ben Hart's one of the five, right? They're looking for their best five. Think about where this offensive line is, good or bad, or somewhere in the middle uh, as we get out of spring and uh, just seeing a guy grow from being thrown in too early to struggling to, okay, finishing up last year with probably the best. I think pro football focus said he had their best pass pro by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. You see someone grow and get better. That's really cool. And that's an attribute to coaching. Uh, And then you factor in whatever this new offense wants to settle on uh, and it's going to be physical and, and run oriented. That's the, the theme anyway. Um, maybe that's what those guys will do best is run block. I don't know. I mean, time will tell what that we, we don't know what they're going to be. And we won't know for sure after spring, we won't know probably till game five or six of next season where the O-line's at, but uh, Ben Hart could be a barometer. Then that, that that's who I'm going to be watching. There's four other, five other, six, eight, eight other guys that could be uh, in the mix as well. They're not, they're not settled. It's not ink. You know, Piper got better too. Yeah. I thought he had a really good kind of, he he forced his way into the rotation. Uh, You think about like preseason. Remember they were wearing those run the damn ball hats. Huh? And then the calls really didn't compliment that. You you know, the creativity and the run. That's not what you brought in. Yeah. Then this is too excusive, but I'm just saying their grades were so bad. And they were so off that you, it, it's, it's unlikely that it's just one thing. Mm-hmm. It's really unlikely, first of all, that all of these offensive linemen who were highly touted, the, the dudes that play, you know, short of Hickson, who was a walk-on, mm-hmm. the, the guys that play were all highly recruited guys, had multiple Big Ten offers, multiple ACC, SEC, Big 12, whatever. These were coveted. Corcoran could have gone to a lot of places. Ben Hart could have gone to a ton of places. Uh, so they're, they're, it's not like they come in lacking of talent and then, then immediately you go to, well, then it's coaching, right? Well, okay, but what element of coaching mm-hmm. are we talking about? Are, are we talking about just the offensive line coach and the drills that he's running or whatever? Or are we also talking about overall offensive philosophy, cohesion, drilling and repping the same things that you're actually going to call in games, right? Playing to their strengths, run game versus, you know, pass pro, which that was the biggest problem I had overall with the offense is straight drop back quarterback pass pro. Just no, that's not. You need, you need an NFL line to do that. You need an NFL line. You need NFL linemen to do that. And it doesn't always work in the NFL, by the way. (laughs) You need a run game. You need a variety of the run game. You didn't have much quarterback run. Casey Thompson was out because of those decisions, right? Like, you you know, like it's, it's, so I, I pin it on the overall operation 
more than you can pin it on just Donovan Rayola or even just Mark Whipple or even just Mickey Joseph slash Scott Frost. It's the overall thing. Like, what the hell are you trying to do identity-wise? Mm-hmm. Rep and drill that, right? It's like – because it really – when you say it starts with the offensive line, it's also that those guys need to know what's up with, for, with like a long view. <laughs> you know, because you're not just going to switch overnight. It's not like just saying, oh, just run a different pattern. You know, I mean, they got to rep and drill, rep and drill, rep and drill, like exactly what their identity is. And then the game calls need to match that. Well, Mark, whatever you say, it's it's about the whole operation, about the whole program. I think back to that quote from Scott Frost. I've mentioned it a couple of times, and maybe it's a quote that's just never going to die at this point, where he talks about the offensive lineman, the pukes per practice quote. Like, yeah. You look at the the strength and condition. You go, why was the strength and conditioning? We don't know. Maybe that that quote was hyperbole. Maybe he's just playing it up for the media. I don't know what would possess somebody to make a quote like that now as we look back on it. But if what he was saying was true, you look at the strength and conditioning with the offensive line. And you go, did the the strength and conditioning set this offensive line up for success last year? If they're making it through fall camp and you got offensive linemen puking every single practice. Sounds to me like you didn't have an off-season conditioning program that was going to work for these offensive linemen once you get them into fall camp and, oh, now they're not ready for fall camp, i.e. they're not going to be ready for the first game either if you're spending that time during fall camp trying to get them in shape, trying to get them conditioned for a football season. As I look back now, it sets off even more warning bells than it did at the time. The fact that if you've got offensive linemen regularly puking in practice, the occasional one's okay. That that happens. That's football. That's just how working out goes sometimes. Sometimes you overwork yourself and you throw up. But why was this offensive line not conditioned to a point where they were ready for fall camp last year? And Corey Campbell kind of spoke on that earlier this week saying, like, you know, our, our job through winter conditioning is to get these guys ready for spring football so they can be the best they can be in the spring. And then through the summer, we're going to get them ready for fall camp and for the season. It's That's part of the job here is getting them ready for the rigors that are going to come as a part of being a college football athlete. And you look back at the last regime and you go, was that happening in the weight room? We, listen, great point. And we heard from Greg Austin, who was dismissed prior to that. And this granted, this was under frost, but you know, Austin was not shy about going to the media and saying, Hey, you know, you can blame offensive I'm paraphrasing, blame offensive line all you want, but you got to call the plays that we're practicing <laughs> basically is what he's saying. So that discord, that discord existed even prior. That goes to Riola. It goes back years prior to whip. Right. Exactly. And so it's, it's preaching one thing and then doing another, right? It, you're talking about Husker power, big, strong. And, and those dudes lift, man. I it, look, there's no question about the, the level of strength mm-hmm. that the team has with the amount of weight they, they move around. Like, I, I truly believe that. Uh, but then are you calling a game that matches that, right? Is, was, there a, was, there a complete, was there complete cohesion between, as Elijah just brought up, strength and conditioning, offensive philosophy, week-to-week game plans, drills, mm-hmm. and the, like all that stuff needs to be in total unison. It's, organi- it's organization. It's organization. It the stuff all has to be in sync, and it just it just wasn't. And I think the symptoms that we saw of that were just most evident on the offensive line, where you basically had five dudes that are sort of confused 
and not trained and prepared for like what was actually asked of them in games. And what I think the the telling quotes from uh, from Coach Campbell, uh, he said it this week. He said it on the the podcast with the uh, the the radio network last week as well. Was you know we didn't bring these guys here to Nebraska to be weightlifters. The weight room is a part of the process of turning them into football players, but right. we didn't bring them here to be weightlifters. That that's not why they're here. I think that is telling. I think that's kind of him lifting up the curtain and letting you know what he's dealing with a little bit, saying, yeah, the, the strength and conditioning program last time around, it, it, it built some guys up. There were some guys that looked great, had, had great physiques, but they weren't great football players. I think that's kind of what Corey Campbell's saying is these guys aren't here to be weightlifters. It's not about how much weight they throw on. It's how good of football players they are. That's what we're trying to build here in the weight room. Yep, and I think case in point for that one, not an offensive lineman, is Nash Hupmacher. Right, they they show him the dude squatting like 800 or something, which is incredible. Like it is an incredible feat of strength, and you're not poo pooing that. But it's also diminishing returns at that point. There are plenty of NFL D linemen that are maybe squatting 500, mm. right? Like they're not, you know. It's, it's so yeah. It's not about hey, dude, let's get up to a thousand because you're not in a powerlifting competition. You're trying you to be able to move. Yourself. You got to right. be able to move and make a play. Right. And mm-hmm. as right. a as a, as a wrestler, the guy's athletic and great on his feet. All right. Mm-hmm. So he's got that. He's got that in him. Uh, and and I think uh, Coach Campbell's working on unlocking it because of of what they're prioritizing right, right. now. He well, said he let, said they're not even maxing out right now. No, which good that because that de-emphasizes that whole idea of. The more weight, the better. It's like, no, no, no. The better you can move and the more athletic you can be, plus the strength. Mm-hmm. It's all of it. Flexibility, movement. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's multi-layered for sure. Yeah. Uh, we will uh, let you know uh, an announcement right now as the rewind comes up. This is our final show on the radio until fall. Right, man. Hail Varsity weekends. Saturday. Let's 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 get, let's leave that oh, off. It's with the well, Saturday yeah, yeah, morning yeah, show. It's sorry, not our Saturdays. last radio show till fall, but Saturday. Us three. Yes. Sorry. The weekend edition. We, we the weekend con- edition. We will continue streaming online, though. That that's the the big news here. Is yeah. People that get us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. If you get us on YouTube afterwards, we're going to continue doing that. The podcast form is still going to be there, just for the local listeners that listen on the radio dial. Not going to be there until fall. Th- thanks for slapping me silly here with uh, some <laughs> some truth. Yeah, we're 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 not going away. We're just going away uh, on uh, on KFOR from seven to eight a.m. and we'll be back during the fall. So yeah. Uh, but hey, Cranack brother, it's been. Uh, uh, we're going to go into. Do we call this our darkness retreat? <laughs> I, I guess we do. I guess we do. And I'm kind of excited. So like you know, going away from terrestrial radio on this show. And we're the longest running Saturday morning Husker radio duo slash trio uh, in the world. Well, dude, I've only been here like three years. You guys have been around for like 15. Don't don't put the trio in there. It's the duo. 2009. Yeah, I believe it was 09. Um, Might have been even 08. Yeah, it might have been. We snuck in there in 08. But what I'm excited about is like, look, we don't have it all figured out now. We know that we're moving to digital. And like when you move to digital only, that changes things, right? You, the change it could change your format a little bit. It can it can change the words you can say stuff over there. Yeah, right. There can, can be a live burrow in your living room. All right, you never know. You never know. So it that'll be exciting to kind of unpack. You know that it'll evolve. 
it'll be a little bit different, but we'll still be and, us. And, still and be then cool. we'll be a uh, wheelhouse for you, uh, getting you ready for, uh, for game day on Saturdays, of course. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this is true. Oh, good. But uh, quick time out and uh, Bo Reed, Husker Hall of Famer, and uh, his take on the state of Nebraska basketball. They're on a heater right now as they try and defend home court against Minnesota. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and Hale Varsity Weekend presented by Currency. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Husker Hall of Famer, and uh, part of that NCAA tournament team that was a three-seed. Bo Reed with us. Bo, you still smiling from, uh, from yesterday. What a win by the Big Red. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, really good win. That was a fun atmosphere. That's as full as I've seen Pinnacle Bank in a number of years, so that was fun. It was uh, electric. They found a way, and, Bo, I know it was alumni weekend. And, and give me your thoughts here as we've kind of gone on, gone on this winding road of of this season for Fred and company. Uh, they have continued to, to scrap. They've continued to fight, and now they're – they're hot at the right time. Did you did you think they had this in them? What what was your take on the team uh, as you kind of watched them and observed them here uh, go through their ups and downs? Yeah, well, okay, so a couple of foundational things from the get-go this year were better. Um, the team was playing for the team. They weren't playing for themselves. Um You know, even their uniforms are unified. They are all wearing white or red shoes. They're not wearing pink and blue and yellow (laughs) shoes. So this team reflects more appropriately the university that they represent. They play hard. They play unselfish. um, And they play to win. And uh, that's fun to watch. The crowd can see that. And it's easy to root for an underdog. So after Vandermel and Gary got hurt, they could have easily folded up and basically gone home. But what Fred did was create an offense around Derek Walker and his unique talent. And so they're basically running a version of the triangle offense with Derek Walker at the point of the triangle uh, and no matter what side of the floor the ball's on, which is genius. Um, and the way that it's structured, you, he's always got an, 
an open side of the floor for Sam Greasel, especially if he has a mismatch. Um, Derek then is the ability to kind of create, go to the rim, um, create plays for other people. And, you know, with the way a couple of those guys are shooting the ball, they're always either positioned in that ball side corner or in the opposite wing. That if you go to sleep and forget about them and try to stop a layup, you are going to give up a three-pointer because Tominaga's red hot right now. They're fun to watch. They are. And and go back to that, that tweak, that triangle, and I'm familiar with it just through all the years of watching – Phil Jackson and the Bulls, right? His triangle. And uh, I think they always went through Bill Cartwright, if memory serves, or Luke Longley. Uh, but but Derek has been so good. I know he's an elder statesman. He's been through a lot in his career. And, man, he is showing just incredible leadership. And that, that ability off the bounce. I mean, he's... He's a pretty big time mismatch for a lot of a lot of dudes. As physical as Maryland is, I mean, Derek really took over. He did, and I'll tell you two two things happened in that game that were critical to us winning. When both Derek and Sam got their third fouls, mm-hmm. um, you know, both of them came back in the game about twelve minutes left, and Maryland had immediately, when they were both out of the game, eliminated a eight point deficit. Sam comes in and 30 seconds later gets his fourth foul. So I'm thinking Sam can't come back in the game until there's four or five minutes left. And, you know, they, they jump up to an eight-point margin. And with about seven and a half minutes left, you see Fred push Sam back to the scores table, and which was absolutely what he had to do. Well, in that 30 seconds, Sam Hoiberg gets a wide-open three from the top of the key and just buries it to cut it to five. Then you get the, the seven-minute kind of there's a timeout, and so then Sam gets to check in the game with seven minutes left and four fouls, never gets his fifth foul, plays unbelievably hard, and scores probably 10 of his 12 points in the last down the stretch. Really, really, uh, he and Derek played like six-year senior guys. They, they just really – played intelligent basketball and you know Tominaga did his thing you know he he sometimes takes some shots that make you say ah what are you doing but he made his free throws and uh he made a big one there in over overtime but whenever you combine yesterday's atmosphere with the performance by the players and, and the coaching job by Fred do you think that was the best game of Fred Hoiberg's tenure at Nebraska thus far? I think we, we know he's probably earned himself another year at this point, but was yesterday that, that crown jewel in, in Fred Hoiberg's tenure so far? No, I think Rutgers was last week. I think that was a game no one saw coming. I didn't think we had the personnel to beat Rutgers, and uh, we just had a game plan that was unbelievable, and we executed it for probably you know 37 of the 40 minutes. I mean, it was unbelievable, and uh, this was a follow-up to that. You know, I mean, the the adversity that they fought through with Derek and Sam getting in foul trouble, and then also you could kind of see all the kids' body language kind of change, and it got, you know, the slumped shoulders, and you could see they started kind of letting doubt creep in because they were really struggling, and Maryland was going on a little bit of a run. But then when those guys came back in the game, they just they just picked them up like seniors are supposed to. And, yeah, I mean – Fred and his staff have done a great job of putting these kids in a position where um, they can be successful because, let's face it, 
you know, with the exception of Sam and Derek that are pretty well-rounded players, everyone else on that roster is pretty one-dimensional in terms of their skill sets. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. There's just one thing that they do that's better than everything else. And so he's, you know, maybe Tomonaga's a little bit weaker on defense. So Fred's mixed in a lot of zone in the last month and a half, which he's had to do to kind of buy some minutes where they don't, they can't isolate him with a six foot six guard and back him down and isolate him in the post. And so I just think this entire year is an expose on just how good of an X's and O's guy Fred is. And now he's just got to get a roster that will allow him to kind of compete in this league. So I think he knows what it's going to take to win in the Big Ten now. And now I hope it shows up in the recruiting. As you look at how this team was constructed via the portal and some six-year guys, and you've got some young guys that are either waiting in the wings or have seen more minutes. Bo, Bo Reed with us. Bo, everyone seemed to chip in at an important time as they've gone on this run. And uh, looking big picture with Nebraska, do you think Nebraska, to your to your statement a minute ago, do you think they'll be able to get who they need to get in here for future classes and future teams? Can they, can they yeah. keep this rolling? I, I think what's, what's happened is, and I don't know if it's intentional or, or they've stumbled upon it, but what you've got, is you've got kids playing a role again. Mm-hmm. And instead of the five guys all thinking they're going to play in the NBA and every guy's got to get 20 and 10 and get his stats because he wants to play at the next level, we've got a bunch of kids that are playing for today, playing for the name on the front of the jersey, and there's just not a lick of selfishness. And, you know, that's a formula that can win at Nebraska for a long time because – we're not going to have five NBA players on our basketball team. We never have. I don't know that we ever will. And, you know, but what we've proven is that with a couple of really good players and a, and a bench full of, you know, five or six kids that are willing to play their role and play hard and do what the coach tells them, we can play smart basketball and we can beat a lot of good basketball teams. And that's what's been so fun. And I swear that's why you've got such a great, fan reaction to this because no one saw this coming based on the way we played basketball in the previous years. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of selfish play and a lot of kids that clearly didn't care about Nebraska. And that, that's probably an unfair characterization. That's what it seemed like by, by the way that they played and guys like Teddy Allen, who felt like a mercenary and didn't, you know, necessarily care about the rest of the team. You know, he scores 41 and then decides to sit out the rest of the year because, of whatever reason. So there's been some things in the past that made it kind of difficult to see this coming. And I think when the name Fred Hoiberg was announced and everyone got so excited, this is what I think people thought we were going to see is a guy that played this way. um, And now is coaching in a way that's just, it's just so fun to watch because they don't care. They're not playing for themselves. Not a single guy out there. They're, they're playing to win. And they're playing as a team and for each other. And Nebraska people will rally around that all day long. Go read with us. Husker Hall of Famer reaction to Nebraska-Maryland overtime. The Big Red get it done. As as a senior leader, and and your team really kind of jump-started that, that era, that run, for Nebraska to get to the tournament. Uh, and there was a lot of tournament runs 
after your your ninety ninety one season. Tell me a little bit about your experience being that senior voice with a, a, a different group of guys uh, yeah. that season. As far as the leadership you had well, to you, you had to use, but also to get 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 the result you had on the court because you had talented dudes, but you guys all played pretty well together. Well, wasn't always that way though. So my sophomore year, I was leading scorer and leader in assists and. You know, we had developed an offense down in Australia that I was looking forward to my junior year. Well, I got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm sitting out, Piakowski and Chubbuck are redshirting, Farmers transferring in, and we're watching the guys. Once we started to lose games, we just watched it deteriorate into guys playing for themselves and trying to get their stats. And they really didn't care if we won or lost at that point because they figured, well, we're not going to make the postseason this year, so I'm just going to get my points. And uh, so when we all became eligible, and I was a senior coming off a knee injury, missing my whole junior season, I really had the mindset that no one was going to get any accolades or any attention from professional basketball if we didn't learn how to win some games. And so, you know, I, I personally decided I don't care if I score one point in the game. We're going to win. We're going to figure out how to win. I want the right person to get the ball. I want the open person to get the ball. And the other thing that happened is we were deep enough with talent that Coach Need didn't have to tolerate any selfish play. And so when you get a couple of people that are leaders of the team, like Derek Walker and Sam Greasel, who play so unselfishly, it is totally contagious, and it, it permeates the locker room. And all of a sudden, you've got a chemistry. And I think Fred attributes a lot of this to Bandamel even Mm -hmm. being a great leader and saying, we're playing to win. None of us go anywhere after college unless we figure out how to win games. And so it was devastating when he got hurt. But Derek has been rock solid. And Sam, you know, that kid, he's tenured. He's played. He's been through the wars. He's been through injuries. He's been through illness. A kid's been through it all. He's not going to get shook, period. And so I think there's a lot of similarities. I think this is a foundational year, and Fred's program goes from here because I think they now have an identity that he will not allow anyone to wreck. Bo Reed with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Husker Hall of Famer. Bo, what's your gut tell you here on the, on the finish? Uh, get the crystal ball out here. I know Minnesota – uh, Sparty's awfully tough, uh, looming, and then you, you wrap at Iowa, but Nebraska a chance they keep this streak going. I mean, uh, yeah. they, they are they, they are climbing the mountain in the Big Ten in a, in a logjam year. Yeah, you you feel like um, the Minnesota game's kind of a must win, yeah, and then you hope you can sneak one of the last two. Michigan State's going to be a tough matchup for us because at the four they're so physical, and um, but. You know, the way we've been playing, I wouldn't put anything past. No one wants to play us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Iowa's going to be playing for their life. I mean, I think they're kind of right in the middle on the bubble, and I think that's going to be a tough game at Carver Hawkeye. So if we could sneak two out of the three and get to, you know, a winning record, that would be unbelievable. It might get us out of having to play the play-in game, which I think we maybe are out of that right now. Mm-hmm. But – that's that's the thing you want to avoid because it's hard to make a really deep run of the Big Ten tournament if you got to play that playing game. It's just, especially with we're only playing seven guys or eight, and that makes it really hard to go on much of a run there. 
But, uh, yeah, gosh, you, you, you win the Minnesota game, you take care of business, and then anything can happen after that the way these kids are playing. And, uh, you know, even if, even if they don't, you know, I just think that the atmosphere in that arena just shows that the fans really are enjoying the product that's on the floor. And, gosh, it just didn't seem like that was going to happen this year, especially with Derek kind of not being on the team the first four or five games. So it's just the surprise of it all and the joy of seeing this all kind of come together with a bunch of unselfish underdog kids playing as one unit and winning against nationally ranked teams. I mean, it's it's kind of cool. It, it's really cool. Bo Reed with us. Bo, enjoy your week. We'll catch up with you down the road and uh, see you back at PBA. Thanks for a few minutes today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Edition. Back with you, Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt. Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. At Brandon L. Vogel is where you find Vogues on Twitter. A lot of football to talk, uh, some basketball on our mind, and, of course, volleyball. Be sure to catch Brandon's book uh, with John Cook. Dream Like a Champion. That was an incredible project, a fantastic read, and – Vogue's a day for John Cook yesterday. So we got to ask you, people are clamoring for a statue. Where do you put the statue? Do you put it outside Bob Devaney as you walk up? Do you put it uh, somewhere near Memorial Stadium since they're going to set an attendance record in August? Um, Help me with placement here. Well, I think based on the court placement, uh, if we just put one at about the 20-yard line, north end zone (laughs) side, that'll work. be you know that's the one thing baseball has over everything else is you know you just got to have the park factor so strat or statue of the volleyball coach about 20 yard line of football stadium be uh, an interesting one nebraska would have a little bit of an advantage once it got used to it itself but now i mean 
I think you you probably you probably go to Vanny, which is interesting. You know, Coach Cook is it, it was in the book Dreamlike Champion, like you mentioned. He's talked about it numerous times. Well, I brought it up yesterday, uh, talking about his reaction to this proposal of playing a volleyball match inside a Memorial Stadium. He likened it to Devaney. He didn't want to go initially, and you know he certainly coached plenty of matches in the Coliseum. Um, Coliseum, when it was a volleyball venue specifically was was pretty iconic but making that transition starting a sellout streak or continuing a sellout streak there despite more than doubling capacity i'll always associate that with john cook so i think i think devandy center is the place to go how about the fact that they are going to do a game inside of memorial stadium is one of those things where it's like as soon as you started catching wind of it isn't your immediate reaction just like that is awesome and there, there's there's just like sort of no like, well, I don't know if you should do that. Like, it just makes so much sense. How many people do you think will actually attend that? If you were to like, what, what are you setting the over under at? Um, I'll, I'll lean on Trev Albert's wisdom here. Um, Aaron Sorensen, our deputy editor, asked him yesterday. Well, she asked a bunch of people. And I think, you know, Ronnie Green kind of uh, notably said, well, why not 90? Uh, John Cook, I said, and he acknowledged he might be underestimating, said he started at about 25 oh, and was constantly getting overshot by everybody. And I think Trev settled around the 45 mark. Yeah. And I think, you know, not knowing anything beyond it's happening, here's here's the date. Uh, we don't know what concert will kind of be tied to that. Not that I think that that changes things drastically. Um, <clears throat> but I think that sounds like a good place to start. And we'll see how the weather cooperates that day. Um, I'm sure they're going to sell a bunch of these right away. Um, and it's it's going to be a really fun, fun event. And you, you look at it, there's there's a lot of, you know, strong volleyball programs out there across the country. But Nebraska truly is unique. I mean, even Wisconsin, the, the, the kind of rabbit and the tortoise here in terms of the, the two keep tra- trading this attendance record, like – you could put it. You could put a match in, in Camp Randall or Lambeau um, and, and see what you get. But Nebraska is just unique in that regard, in that it's so singularly focused around the Huskers. But then also, you know, in terms of football up here in, in the permanent number one, but volleyball uh, is is not far behind. Well, I think Trev has the right idea with, like, if you want to get the Husker Nation to, to go and do something, make it a competition. You see how Nebraska does in the online polls, and he's like, yeah, this is about the attendance record. This is about blowing Wisconsin out of the water. That's the right way to do it. But maybe what he's got to do is is make it like a, a poll of the greatest fans in the country. In order to cast your vote for Nebraska, you must buy and attend uh, a ticket for this Husker volleyball match in August. That's the tried and true method for getting Husker Nation riled up is turn it into a competition for who's got the best fans, and boom, it's done. Yep, that, that it it is a uh, a time tested, uh, I guess, method for for getting Husker fans involved, and you know they they continue to show up for those things. So I I agree. Uh, kind of put the I, it was it was interesting. First thing I looked at when the actual release came yesterday was any sort of note about this attendance record that's out there, and it it, it was in there. You know, we're not we're not being coy about this. Like that is part of the goal here. Our, our best and, idea and this, might be like. Is 1995 Nebraska the greatest college football team ever? If you think yes, you must buy a ticket to Husker Volleyball. That's, that's the way to go. <laughs> Husker Nation will show up in droves. <laughs> we, we were talking earlier, you know, with the uh, the Rayola family confirmed. 
we we believe it's being reported that the Rayolas, Dayton, uh, Dylan, Dominic, are visiting Donovan. Right, a lot of D Rayolas in town, and it's a dead period, so you can't you know there can't be like a uh, an official visit, but you can visit family. The NCAA has not outlawed that. Uh, so brought up the idea you know, in the NIL era, like probably should have a reality show rolling with the Rayolas. Uh, would you watch that? Yeah, I, I would. Um, despite my natural reticence for um, like, I don't think I need any more reality shows in my life, but I feel right. a little duty bound to, to watch this one. And it, it, it is a fascinating story, you know, getting the chance to hear Dylan do some interviews. Like he's not, he's not just the best player in the class in this, in this country this year. Uh, he also seems like a legitimately interesting guy. Um, somebody who has a little bit of unique makeup, I think, for a player who's in that position or even in kind of the vicinity of, of that position in terms of one of the best recruits in the country. Uh, it's not often that Nebraska travels in those circles. Uh, we know that because there's a Husker connection here, they're able to this time and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I would, I would be in for, I would be in for rolling with rails. Well, and I don't know that coach rules the, the guy that's going to be first in line to do a, a hard knocks type uh, season for Nebraska football coach prime would be all in. I mean, he's already yeah. doing it. I mean, he's got, he's got <laughs> more of a camera crew than CNN. So that's impressive. Uh, but no, I mean, we, we had some fun with it in hour one with uh, with uh, the uh, the pitch of the uh, reality show. Vogues, let's spend a little bit of time here on on the offensive line and big topics been riding the ship. And we left off talking about things from an organizational standpoint from the top on down, all being on the same page. What are you emphasizing? What are you training? What are you drilling and have you been able to figure out what those five best guys, who they are, first of all? Second of all, as a unit, what do they do best? And what can you win with? I mean, that's all part of this evaluation process going on. Is there alignment that's a barometer for you uh, this spring and, and kind of looking into fall? Um, I mean, I think based on what we've heard so far, and you know, we've got all – 15 practices of the spring still to go plus the rest of the off season after that for this to, to shift and mold. But like, I, I think I go in saying I, I'll plan to, to judge this offensive line by their ability to, to run the football. Um, that's what the staff has said they want to be able to do. Uh, you look at the previous regime. I think I said through, through all five seasons, like that was a system built on being able to to effectively run the football and, and Nebraska really had varying results with that um, really beyond 2018. Um, the thing that makes it this year interesting is in 2022, you seem to have found not one, but two running backs who really in my mind, when I think back to last season is the run game in particular is, is Grant and Allen a lot of times making a lot out of a little um, so the offensive line's got to be better in that regard right there. Um, it, it has to feel like a little bit more of a comprehensive approach. Um, because if you do that, you've got some talented backs and I think you can throw Gabe Irvin in that mix too. 
who who are capable, I think, of putting up some pretty good rushing numbers. Um, so, so that'll be the place that I start. You know, I thought Ryan this week spoke to the media for the first time in quite a while. Uh, he's He's been a coach we haven't heard a ton from. You know, mentioning that the O-line, he felt, improved kind of game to game. And, and I think he's right about that. But you still, you look at the season season long numbers. I don't think the the rush numbers are where you'd want them to be. And certainly the pass protection remained an issue. Um, that's also got to be something where, well, if you're running the ball effectively, can help with that. Um, but clearly you, you can't have Casey Thompson or whoever feel as as harried and hurried as they were throughout 2022. Do you go tight end room? Do you go linebacker position switch? Or do you recruit a candidate in that running back room right now to be a fullback? Hmm. Um, good question. I mean, you certainly have the numbers. Well, you definitely have the numbers at at a tight end, you know, trying to think through kind of size-wise what they're looking at there um, might be a little bit of a, a stranger fit, depending on what they, how often they want to use that fullback and what they want to use it for, um, which which is a mystery. So you might be better looking towards defense um, and, and not just linebackers, but I think you know the secondary overall um, is is a pretty long group. Um, but you've got some players there that with an offseason could probably become that sort of fit as well. So I'm guessing that's the most likely, um, you know, not to mention kind of uh, scores of walk-ons who, who might be might be a fit for that position as well. But, you know, the big mystery with that is Satterfield said right out of the gates, we're going to have a fullback. Um, remains to be seen, like, what kind of role that person plays in this offense. Well, Brandon, stick with me here. It's the Big Ten, three tight end sets. You got Nate Borkatur on the end of the line of scrimmage. He's your blocking tight end. You got Thomas Fedoni split out into the slot, another tight end. And then you got Eric Gilbert in the backfield lined up as a fullback. That sounds to me like a matchup nightmare for a defense. If you got Gilbert in the backfield, he could be a fullback. He could be a pass catching option. You got Fedoni in the slot matched up against a cornerback or maybe a nickelback who you're not going to be winning jump balls against that person. Then you got Borgster at the end of the line of scrimmage matched up against a, a, a linebacker or really insert one of the, the remaining tight ends there on the end of the line of scrimmage, whoever the best blocking option is. That sounds like scary, scary mismatches for Big Ten defenses. That's that's kind of how I see it right now in terms of what Nebraska might be wanting to do with their fullback. Two, two and three tight end sets with either Gilbert or insert a tight end back as your, uh, your quote-unquote fullback. Yeah, I mean, I think in an ideal world, if you're like, okay, we need a fullback, which position are we, are we pulling from? Finding a tight end who can do what you need to do there would be option A, um, just because, you know, that person can remain a tight end uh, in in name at least and be out there because you, you talk about having three of them on the field at the same time. And then all of a sudden you get into, you know, motioning and matchups and things like that. Like if you've got somebody who it's not strange to split them out as a tight end and in the slot or something like that, you can motion them in and motion them into the backfield. Like it does become kind of a, uh, difficult to handle uh when you just start drawing it up on paper and i also feel like if you uh, you put a like a, a six foot six 270 pound tight end in the backfield and hand it off on third and short a lot of your third and short <laughs> difficulties might be going away 
Yeah, yeah, that's the key. Can you find a guy who, like, if you if you have to give him the ball, say, 12 times uh, to, to run the ball uh, it, over the course of the season, can can they do that? Because, you know, you lose a little bit of the uh, the mystery if you're you're willing to motion a tight end in the backfield, but you're, it's never actually a running threat. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and, you know, we've talked a lot about the defensive back being a pretty crowded room and probably going to have some attrition there. I I think we can say the same about running back, but not sure we've gone as deep there. It's a little tough, I think, right now, Brandon, to get a read. I, I feel like you have a lot of sort of equally talented guys. They're just flavored very differently. <laughs> They're just yeah. different backs, a lot of those guys. Do you have any feel from whether it's watching Satterfield and his history, watching Rule and his history, when you consider Ramir Johnson, when you consider A.J. Allen and Anthony Grants, and uh, why is the kid from Georgia escaping me, the one that's oft injured fast? Gilbert. No, 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 he's referring to Bourbon. Uh, Gabe Irvin. Gabe Irvin. Gabe Irvin, you have you know the kid out of Minnesota, the red-shirted. Emmett Johnson. Emmett Johnson. Like, there's a lot of dudes there. Do you get any sense for maybe which guy, not necessarily leaves, but which guys do you think rise to the top based on what Rule and Satterfield like to do? I, I can't get any read on it whatsoever. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, and I think it's because, you know, you mentioned the kind of individually flavored or, or how, however you put it. It was it was nice. I appreciated it. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I think that's that's right because even somebody so like my kind of gut reaction there might be Johnson, but he's somebody who's super versatile. Um, so you, you look at that piece of it. You know, Gabe Irvin had showed, I think, his his offensive ability, specifically running and, and catching the football at, as a freshman. But the thing we always hear about him most is, but he might be our best pass protector in, in that room. That's a valuable skill. That's a skill that can keep you on the field. Um, and, you know, looking back at Satterfield's kind of seasons of South Carolina specifically, because that's where he was apart from rule, you know, those those offenses weren't that run heavy. Um, and, and a lot of this comes down to, to circumstance. What's your best way to move the football instead of what's the way you'd prefer to? Um, so, so it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys back there and it's, it's one of those spots where you think well, some attrition here seems very, very likely just because it's, it's hard, I think, to, to keep two running backs, um, happy. Like you've got to be good and you've got to be able to run the ball well to, to even, I think, attempt that. Nebraska has, I think, three that are immediately in the mix for me. And not to mention, like, three or four more guys who were pretty talented, were pretty good gets beyond that. So it does get pretty tough at that spot. Brandon, Brandon we've, Vogel, we, I was go saying, ahead. Brandon, we've hit offensive line. We've hit tight end. We've now hit running back. Would you rather go to wide receiver or to quarterback to finish the uh, the offensive talk here? It's up to you. I'll, 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 I'll leave the floor open to you. Uh, quarterback or, or wide receiver? Where do you want to go next? <laughs> um, maybe, maybe let's go to quarterback um, because that one's interesting and we know Thompson's mothers are somewhat limited. Uh, you've got Purdy who now kind of occupies I think almost a total wild card spot for me um, with the addition of Sims, who we know, you know, 
Matt Rule might as be might be as familiar with him based on what he said as he is with any of the the returning quarterbacks. Um, so that that seems like a spot too where and just what we know about kind of the quarterback market in college football now. Um, attrition seems almost a little bit inevitable there by the time we get to the end of the spring. But it's going to be a little bit difficult because Thompson and Smothers are going to be limited somewhat, although it sounds like maybe not as much as as initially thought in, in the case of Casey Thompson. Um, that one becomes becomes really interesting. Like from a statistical standpoint, I kind of look at Sims and Thompson, both of whom have played a good amount of power five football at this point, And not a ton to separate them uh, from a raw numbers perspective. So, so that's interesting. I mean, if, if it weren't for Thompson being a little bit limited, I mean, I personally would go into this year thinking, well, well, there's your starter. Somebody's got to beat him out. Is that still the case? I don't know if we'll find out in the spring, which, which makes it super interesting there behind center. Well, folks, let's uh, let's go to wide receiver here. They're after the offensive preview because I actually this is where I wanted to go last one, but you, you did well with the quarterbacks there. A wide receiver, Malachi Coleman posting a video earlier this week of him running in the four twos in a forty yard dash. Now, this came from a two point stance, and it also came on a track surface as opposed to a field surface. So that's going to speed you up just a little bit. But still, running in the four twos, that doesn't sound like the type of guy, especially whenever you combine his frame with that ability to run uh, as a guy that's going to be held off the field as a freshman. But you also have to combine that with the fact that he's not a guy who's going to be participating in spring football. He's going to show up in the summer, get some conditioning work in, go through fall camp, and then he's going to try to force his way into the field this fall. So I want to get your take on the impact that Malachi Coleman can have in the fall. Do you subscribe to the idea that this is going to be a guy who's going to be seeing the field earlier rather than later? I, I think if everything goes to plan, you, you'll see him this this fall. Um, I mean, you, you, you talk about the speed and the skill set. Um, it's more than just a, you know, recruiting ranking with, with him in, in my mind. And, and receiver is one of those spots where you can, you can play early. Like, you know, you've got to learn the playbook. And, and of course, that's, that's a big piece of it. But when I look at this room overall, you know, not only are you losing your, your top receiver in Trey Palmer, but the one thing that this room doesn't have is kind of a known, uh, a player that can be like Trey Palmer was last season, or even you go back to Wandale Robinson, say in his second year, or Stanley Morgan Jr. before that, J.D. Spielman before that. The guy that was just like, things are tough. We need a play. That's where we're going. You, you can't identify that person for Nebraska right now. Marcus Washington yeah. comes back with, with kind of the most – returning production and maybe he can be that guy but i think the point is is you need somebody like that to emerge and malachi coleman's not not going to get this spring session with the team but you look at his measurables and those sorts of things like even somebody like xavier betts we don't know how he's going to come back could be that type of player you just need somebody who's going to win you one-on-one matchups in the receiving game um and that, that role is very much unfilled at this moment for me. Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition at Brandon L. L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, what's uh, on the radar this weekend for the great folks at Hale Varsity? You can get that subscription, digital and magazine, halevarsity.com backslash offer. What are you following? 
Yeah, well, it was nice to, uh, nice to see baseball. Uh, got one out last night in Mobile. Um, so we'll have a weekend recap of that at the, at the end of the weekend. Uh, obviously got a big kind of basketball game for, for a game where Nebraska's, you know, almost double digit favorite, which <laughs> didn't know if you, if you'd say, said, would, would Nebraska be a double digit favorite over anyone towards the end of February, uh, a month and a half ago, I would have said no, but, but here we are. That said, um, it's, it's tough to, to kind of feel like a double, di- almost a double digit favorite. So kind of a vital game for, for Nebraska a season. That's had a nice little uptick here towards, towards the end of it. So we'll have all the action from the weekend um, and looking forward to it. It's, it's a busy weekend for the Oscars. Hey, quick, quick little thing on, on baseball too, by the way, peculiar statistic that has emerged. Nebraska has hit 16 batters in five games. So frame of reference, 54 all of last year, right? So they're like almost a – they're less than a fourth. A they're a third of the way there already through five games. Is, is there anything we can attribute that to? Are they trying to be more aggressive by owning the plate? Are they just wild? Like That's that my plate, Cranach. Yeah, you you is, better back off. But that's, that's really noteworthy. I think last night it was something like Nebraska plunked six guys. South Alabama plunked five. Yeah, uh, so that puts you on pace for like 150 on the year, <laughs> something close to that, depending on how many games you. It's Carson how Schmidt many, numbers. How many rainouts you you uh, avoid? I mean, I, I guess at this point, I'll chalk it up to maybe just a little bit of early season kind of. You know, Nebraska got some nice weather in in the lead up to the start of its season. That said, you know. Preparing to play baseball in February is always going to be tough when your your home base is Lincoln, Nebraska. So, uh, I'll I'll go with that for now. Um, we'll see. I know there was one uh, last night that I think Nebraska kind of tried to contest uh, a hit by pitcher. So we'll we'll see. Um, but truly, a, a bizarre number so far. Well, well, Brandon, they're playing a brand of baseball that Husker fans can get behind. You know what? They might not win every game, but they're going to beat you up on the way, and you're going to leave that series black and blue. It's, it's like <laughs> it's like Huskers of old. That's, uh, that's just good stuff from the Husker baseball team. <laughs> so the fourth quarter, it's the fourth inning, yeah. you know? <laughs> Brandon, to wrap here, you live in a place that's a little bit warmer than Lincoln, Nebraska. So I got to ask you, if you're, say, you know, living in a place maybe even warmer than, than where you currently are, like Phoenix, would you be taking a, a weekend visit to Nebraska in February to, to, to get the, the nice weather, maybe catch a Husker basketball game? Uh, obviously, I think most people would rather be living in Lincoln, Nebraska than in Phoenix in late February. That's pretty common knowledge. Well, you know, a, a lot of people are, are rallying around this basketball team. They become a hot ticket. Uh, credit to Fred Hoiberg and uh, – staff and players for for kind of becoming a national draw and you know i think if if i could package a chance to see the huskers on the hardwood with uh an opportunity to see some family Mm. you know family is important to to everyone um yeah you can maybe talk me into it Uh, you can maybe talk me into let's i don't know what the temperature is in phoenix um but let's be talking about a 70 degree drop it's it's a lot it comes with personal cost but hey family's important Family, yeah. Bogues, it's, it's 52 degrees down there right now. Okay. But it is also 6.30 so, in the morning in Phoenix. Let's also note that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Vogues, we will catch up with you next week, bud. Thanks for your insight as always. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brady. Good stuff uh, from Brandon Vogel. We'll run the Iron Horse down. Gary Sharp is on the way. More uh, comments via the stream as well from Redwine65. We'll run this down. It's a nice uh, topic to to get into as far as uh, quarterback run game here with what Sims has and what Thompson has shown, but albeit not really his – his, I don't want to say strength, but he's a pocket guy. Well, well, you know? let's also not discount the fact that this could have been coach, a coach directive last season. Sure, sure. Where, where you're saying, telling Casey, like, hey, I know you want to run the football, but look at the quarterbacks we have behind you, as Husker fans saw uh, later in the year last year. Let's not go risk things by going and getting yourself injured by going and trying to pick up three, four extra yards, throw the ball away. Let's move on to second down. Let's move on to third down. Let's punt the ball away and, and trust our defense. This could have been a coach directive, and especially with what we know about Mark Whipple, he seemed very reluctant to use the quarterback run last year. This could have been a, hey, let's protect our, our QB1 and, and let's keep you from running the football because we don't like what we have behind you. That's very possible. Or it's also very possible that Casey Thompson just prefers throwing to, to, to running. And that's, he didn't, he didn't run it at of Texas. He did have six rushing touchdowns this year, I think, because they, they would, uh, it'd break him out in, in the red zone. I mean, inside the 10, he had a lot of quarterback keeps on, on a little bit of a zone read wrinkle, but he didn't have it much between the twenties. He's, he's fast. He's athletic. Mm-hmm. He's not real big. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, he's a little, he always pleasantly surprised me with his runs. Yeah, I thought he. I mean, he, I thought he he handled himself well running the yeah, football. Yeah, and he's he's pretty he's pretty sturdy too. He can take a yeah. hit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sims, though, that's something that uh, they really love about his game. Yeah, dude's a beast. Uh, yeah, as far he's as big, the ability big to run. Quick timeout and uh, the Iron Horse <laughs> will join us. Do we even need a timeout? Or are we just going to jump in? We can just jump in. I mean, he's. Really See, this is the beauty. Now, we were talking about it first hour. Now that we're going streaming only at the Saturday morning show, breaks are unimportant. We don't have any uh, any commercials that need to run anymore, so we can just bring well, Gary what right are in. What do? Kick us off the radio? We're, 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 we're going to have a moment of silence for uh, Eric B. Enemy going to, um, to Washington. Uh, Gary Sharp is with us. Sharpie, are you in a hotel room or are you a hostage? Uh, no, I'm in a hotel room. I'm in Denver right now. Oh, good. Uh. I heard there's uh, I heard there's a few uh, heroin addicts roaming the streets there. Are you seeing that? What? That's what I hear. I hear Denver has just fallen apart. <laughs> Gary frequenting just... places that have <laughs> smack fiends uh, no, trying I just to hear break it. doors down. Why is that the I first place you go in Denver? <laughs> there's so many distinctive things about Denver. I don't think uh, <laughs> heroin addicts is the number one thing I've heard. I've heard, I've heard society. I've heard. I've heard. Society is just completely breaking down there. There's just zombies walking. It's bad. Is it? Are you seeing that? Or are you seeing? Oh, it's a, is this a, a Last nice of Us reference? Oh, the what reference? A, a, a reference to the Last of Us with the zombies? No. That's no, what, no, no. I'm I'm being serious. Okay. I've heard that you know how Portland's kind of, you know, kind of falling apart. I've heard Denver is the same. I, I don't know this. I'm asking. Gary's there. I, no, I have not seen a zombie. There good. are quite a few homeless people here. Uh, and I wouldn't say uh, heroin addicts. I see more of the uh, marijuana, uh, not, uh. not necessarily addicts. I mean, within walking distance of this fine hotel that I'm currently at, there are four dispensaries. Okay. All right. 
So how high are you right now? You know, you're not supposed to do that. Then come on the radio. Uh, There's FCC no. guidelines. No, nope. I uh, although it is I, legal there, so I don't know. This is legal, but I am representing a different organization, so I will. Uh, I will plead the fifth. Okay, yeah. Mark. Where are you, Mark, where are you getting your news? Can we talk about that really fast? <laughs> where the hell are you getting your news, man? <laughs> no, it, it's just what I've heard. I, I'm not. I don't agree. I'm not saying it's true. You heard some, somebody told you that there are zombies in Denver? No, just a lot of people that are just, you know, sort of lost, homeless, you know, drug, <laughs> drugged up, <laughs> roaming around. And it makes it difficult. And supposedly, like, these nice downtown areas have just been taken over. That's what you hear. Uh, what it's, you hear. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Denver and the whole Colorado area. It just, they do have a little bit of a homeless problem here. There is no doubt, like a lot of major cities. I would just say... Yeah. Like, this would not be a place that I'd want to be homeless this time of the year because it could get rather cold. I, I would relocate, like, to San Diego this time of the year or Miami yeah. and maybe okay. come back during the summer. Yeah. See, but to answer your earlier question, Elijah, about where I get my news, KFOR. Oh, good, good. KFOR. That's a great answer. I was going to say, Mark, I, I think what hey, you're thinking where else though, would you get it? Those, those that pe- makes Schmitty feel real good. The, the, those, those people <laughs> yeah, are I want to get into to football here. Well, yeah, the, was, uh, but, but, report. We, we can get into football here because I think these people Mark's referring to, like roaming around potential heroin addicts, you're not quite sure what they're doing in Denver, causing a lot of problems. That's just the Broncos front office. So, Touche. From deep. That's from the Let's Broncos ride. fan, too. Mm-hmm. Bunch of people walking around saying, let's ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh-huh. let's trade is what they're saying. She's really so tired of this. Uh, He's like, please get to we, football. We've got Matthew checking in from Florida. Uh, wants us to stop crowning Sims. Go watch his full game film. <laughs> We're watch not crowning Virginia. Sims. No, I, I just think crowning it, Sims. all I just said is. The dude is, is a beast. He's a large human said, being who's fast. All I said is, is he's a better better running threat. Yeah. Then Casey Thompson, it goes back to Redwine's take here. And uh, Thompson's arm's great. If he could just run for a first down every once in a while. They, okay, they every once in a while? Can I chime in on this? Yeah, that's, one, why, that's why I brought it up. One <laughs> is Marcus Satterfield. You know, Marcus Satterfield is going to have a very interesting spring on into the fall because Jeff Sims needs to be at least a 65% passer, yes. in my opinion. There are things to like about him. But, God, there are things about giving the football away and, and decision-making that Marcus Satterfield is going to have to sprinkle his dust on him. I think what we don't know about Casey Thompson is Casey Thompson will be – and this is kind of a Donovan Riola thing as well because I don't know if you guys have heard that Dylan Riola is in Lincoln. Um, yeah, we're watching Donovan, Roland with the Riolas later, the, the new reality. Donovan, Donovan Riola made a comment the other day – well, maybe he did make a comment, but I read a lot into it – is – there will be a better in sync, not the group, between the offensive line coach, the OC, and the head coach, which I think will benefit all three of those parties. Just like this year, I think Casey Thompson will be better in sync with his offensive coordinator. And I think he will have a better offensive line, so he'll not be running for his life. Now, Casey Thompson, there are things that he has to work on in his game. I think they're relatively even. The only advantage is Sims will get a lot more in the spring of on-field stuff. But, man, do not count Casey Thompson out. I, I think we've talked about this a lot. We're going to have a legitimate quarterback competition. But both of these quarterbacks for Nebraska to have success have to be better. But you also have to be healthy. I mean, I, there's no, I don't believe that either one of them will start all 12 games this year because they're healthy. 
Well, you bring up Casey Thompson and about being better. I think he was about as good as you could have expected him to be with the pressure that he was under. And then you highlighted something really important where it's like the offensive line gets the lion's share of blame. But were they more of, was that more symptomatic of lack of synchronization between the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the offensive line coach, the overall offensive philosophy were they more of a symptom of of the lack of cohesion there versus the problem that prevented Nebraska from doing what it wanted to do? Well, I think a little bit of Mark. I mean, we all saw last year, a lot of times the offense was so disjointed on what they were choosing from series to series to go with. You know, all of a sudden they go away with from something that was doing really well. I think that all helps. But I, I think also one thing Nebraska has been handicapped by is they have not had a good quarterback coach. Mario Verdusco was fun. We all laughed at his idiosyncrasies. Well, let's be honest. He did not improve guys at that position. And at a place like Nebraska, until you get a five-star who might be kind of ready-made but is still going to need to be coached up, you need some – one of your better coaches is going to have to be that quarterback coach. And that's why I'm really curious to see the Jeff Sims that we saw last year. And I watched all of his games, and there's stuff to like, but I guess I'm not all in – is what does Marcus Satterfield do with him? Is he a better technical quarterback, or do they just extenuate his positives more than they did at Georgia Tech and not ask him to do things that he couldn't do at Georgia Tech that really led to turnovers and bad decision-making? So I think Marcus Satterfield, the quarterback coach, is going to be one that I'm going to look at between the spring and the fall to see if that whole quarterback room, because it's not just the top two guys, it's that person that's angling for the third-string quarterback how have they gotten better from last year to this year? Because Nebraska needs the quarterback position to be better at the quarterback thing. Sharpie, who do you think has the most upside uh, behind the perceived two-horse race for this starting gig? Um, Logan Smothers. Do you really think so? Okay. Yeah, so I know. So here, here's the difference of how we all look at quarterbacks and how kind of our impression is. We have not seen really Harburg. The previous staff, they kind of laughed him off the stage. The staff talks about him because they see his size and they see his arm and they think, well, we could do this with him. But I look at Logan Smothers, and I don't think Logan Smothers has been coached up. And so I want to see him with good quarterback coaching that helps him throw the ball a little bit more efficient, make better decision-making, and then what that does for him. Um, but that's why – whoever's battling for that number three job, because it's Thompson and Sims for the number one job, whoever's battling for that number three job, that's a fascinating storyline in the spring because the guys that don't get the number three job probably are not going to stick around knowing what is down the road in 24 and beyond at that quarterback position. Gary Sharp is with us here, a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, when you look at that, that number three spot, what was really interesting when Matt Rule hopped on the, uh, the podcast with J.D. Piquel, I think it was last week, he notably didn't mention Logan Smothers as being a guy in that quarterback room. And while that doesn't necessarily mean anything, it does also mean a lot that he's not a guy who's top of mind uh, in the uh, the mind of the head coach. And this is a head coach that's coming in, still learning a lot of names, doesn't quite know everybody that's on the team right now. But do you think that should be something we should be reading into? The fact that whenever he lists off the quarterbacks in the room, Logan Smothers isn't listed. I mean, first impressions, they aren't the be-all, end-all, but they all very they are very important. Excuse me. Yeah, I agree. I also think one thing, not to read too much into what Rule says about the team that he is inheriting, um, 
because he has done a good job of pointing out guys that are kind of off the radar that catch his eye. I think when he talks about his team, he just assumes that we all know the frontline guys that have been here for a while. So there's some guys that I think he will pick that kind of jump off the page to him. So I wouldn't read too much into that. And I, you know, it, it's that weird conversation guys of Jeff Sims is somebody who the new staff is more familiar with. Casey Thompson is somebody who we all are more familiar with. It's, They'll talk about Jeff Sims, but I, they're very cautious to then turn and say, and Casey Thompson. I, you know, you've watched all the videos from the off-season workout. Who's a guy that gets shown a lot? Who's a guy that's been on a lot of community visits? Who's a guy that last week, even though I don't think he needed to, reminded people that he's coming back? Casey Thompson. Buckle up. This is going to be – this will be good for the football team in 23. It'll be good for that position. But – uh, Casey Thompson isn't going away, and I don't think Logan Smothers is going to go away as well. I don't think he can, you know, leap over those two, but I think he'll be in the mix to be that number three guy. And if not, and if not, he'd be open to a different position. Mm, yeah. yeah, Logan seems like a guy that is going to – I'm not trying to speak for him, but he'll give it hell for that third quarterback spot or try and win the job clearly, and if it, it doesn't work – then how can I? Yeah. Well, he's a guy who's used he's, on the field. He's had plenty of opportunities to transfer should he have chosen to do so over the past couple of years. I'm not saying he's not a candidate to transfer, but you would think that if he was going to explore that route, he would have already done so with Nebraska bringing in transfer yeah. quarterbacks through the years and bringing in competition and, and guys jumping over him. And, and I, I'm kind of with you, Gary, that I, I look at him as a, a potential candidate to be a, a guy that if he's not with that third quarterback, to be somewhere else in the team making a contribution, be it on special teams, yeah. be it as a, a backup on offense somewhere. He seems like just a guy who wants to be a Husker and enjoys being a Husker. Well, and look at his speed. I mean, we look at the wide receiver room and the amount of speeds there, there. Is he somebody that they say, you know what, he can be an asset to the program. And I agree with you, Elijah. He's a good teammate. He likes being at Nebraska. It would have been easy for him to pull the ripcord and, and lead by now. Is Do they say, man, with that speed, can we turn him into a wide receiver if that's what he wants to do? Um, and, and, you know, and there might be a lot of these cases once we get through spring ball that this staff looks at somebody and says, hey, I don't think you're a safety. You might be a cornerback. Hey, I don't think you're a cornerback. What about, what about a rover? You know, those kind of things with this staff, don't put them past them, that they're going to find the, the way to get the best five at the offensive line, the best 11 on the field, regardless of what position they showed up in Lincoln as. You know what's funny about as we sit here right now and just as we're talking through all of this, I'm starting to just just realize this. Tr- try to pick out anybody on offense right now who is a lock to start and at what position. That is very difficult to do as we sit here right now, isn't it? Like, can you think of – you can maybe name, what, two guys? I think Billy Kemp is probably going to start at receiver. I'd I'd add Marcus Washington at wide receiver receiver too. Yep. And then – Well, (laughs) who else? Who else do you – could you pick a position even on the offensive line? Could you pick a quarterback? Could you pick a starting running back? Could you pick the starting tight end? Well, so – I'm glad you brought this up, and and this is for everybody. Was it interesting when Donovan was talking about his offensive line the other day that he didn't pencil Ben Scott in to be a starting center? So Ben Scott exactly. Ben Scott started 11 games at Arizona State last year at center. And when he came here, everybody that interviewed him, he said he's coming here to be the center. And we've seen what stability at the center position can do, and then you can work your way out. 
But when Donovan says, well, you know what? He's not guaranteed to start at center. He could be a tackle. A couple of things are coming to mind. One, they're going to find a way to get the best five on the field. Also, what does that say about the tackle position? I mean, I would be really surprised if Ben Scott is not snapping the football in the fall. I mean, that's what I would prefer because of his, uh, you know, his familiarity there. And also he's got 11 starts under his belt at Arizona State. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, it kind of leaves it wide open for everybody on what's going to happen. And, you know, even with Teddy Prohaska, who's going to miss spring because of his shoulder injury, I mean, he's not guaranteed a spot. It, it's just it, – it, that's, that's why it's tough to put your finger on how this football team's going to look when they get to the fall because I think even the staff doesn't know what it's going to look like when they get into spring. So we can name maybe one, maybe two guys on offense that we're pretty confident mm-hmm. will start. S- flip over to defense, I think you can name three. And that's it. Newsom, Reimer, Robinson. I think those guys are locks to start somewhere. Outside Mark of that. Sog? Gifford? Yeah, I, I think he's a lock. Think, Gifford? No, I think he's I, a lock right now. Hey, they like him. Yeah, Malcolm Hartsog is a dog. He'll he'll I, be a star. I like him too, but I'm just yeah, saying you've got a lot of dudes in the secondary. I, I like Hartsog a lot. Well, it's also you know, Hartsog coming off of injury too. Um, Sherman will probably be a starter. I mean, I, he doesn't then fall in your category of lock, but he will probably start somewhere. Um, and then I think Ty Robinson will be a starter as well. It's easier to look at the defense and probably pick guys that you could imagine being starters than it would be on offense which which i think which i think is the the really interesting dynamic of this team is you know i think the defense will be better and the defense will carry them but it's also a defense where they're still coaching up the coaches so the coaches can teach the players what that defense is going to look like yeah yeah but it's it's crazy though as we sit here right now you think of a starting 22 we can we can name maybe five or six I, yeah, you know, you, well, give me go back, go back to offense. Go back to offense real quick. You know, skill guys, running back. You know, we're, we're probably going to think, hey, it's Grant or Allen. Give me the tight end. Yeah, Fedoni you know, maybe, but he's never a, healthy. So there's a big, knows? big fellow that transferred from Georgia, but I don't think yeah. he walked in the door and it was guaranteed that he was going to be a starter. Which, which all of this is good for Nebraska. That that there are new eyeballs, and there's also going to be the X factor of guys that we don't hardly ever talk about that we went. Wow, I didn't know they were on the roster. But all of a sudden, they've got a breath of fresh air, new eyeballs, and they've responded better to a different voice. Then all of a sudden, they're like, where have you been? Yeah. They're in the mix for uh, playing time. That's what we don't know, and that's what spring is going to be about. Gary, while we uh, were talking defense, I, I want to get your take on something that we talked about this week. And I, I came with the take that, you know what, I'm more concerned about the interior defensive line than I am about the offensive line whenever you look at the lines of scrimmage because yeah. – Nebraska on the interior defensive line has Ty Robinson, Nash Hutmacher, and who else? Newcomers? I, I, I look at that interior defensive Judy. line as a place that I am yeah. very, very concerned because you got a first-time positional coach and, and Coach Knight and co- coaching up that defensive line, and you have two guys with Big Ten experience coming back, and everybody else is pretty much a question Wins mark. Back, right? Yeah. So Wins a question mark for me, too. Because yeah. Well, it's, it's when you introduce the three three five. Good thing it's flexible because I don't think we'll see a lot of true three three five because you got to have some dogs right up there and especially on the nose and Nebraska doesn't have that they don't have a guy that's a game changer and that's going to take some time either to develop or to go find one on the recruiting trail. Um, so Elijah, you're spot on. That's going to be an area of concern. I don't care what happens in the spring. That'll be an area that there'll be a lot of concern moving into the fall of how this is going to fit together. I know we're enamored by Tony White's defense. 
But I got to believe until they feel comfortable with the guys up front that they will be flexible and adjust a little bit um, so that they don't get it run down their throats. But, you know, that's been a problem for Nebraska for a while. I mean, Nebraska hasn't had that game changer right on the nose that affects the play from down to down. And it's not just a Sue. It's other guys that have come along, you know, that you can't rely on from week to week. And until Nebraska gets that, you know, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of question marks about that that defense. But I, I got to believe that Tony White is aware of that and is not going to try and jam it down people's throat of, OK, we're still going to stick to this. They're going to find the best way to help those guys up front so they don't get run over. Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse Weekend Edition, Hail Varsity Radio. Sharpie, a couple of different topics, and we'll get you out. A thought first on John Cook and, Memo- and volleyball at Memorial Stadium and, and also uh, Husker baseball uh, finding the, the, the win column uh, last night. Uh, John Cook have been dreamers, and so they think big. When they say you're in a landlocked state in the mid-90s, you can't win a national championship, Terry Pettit, sit back down. He says, no, I will. And they won a national championship. And then John Cook comes in, and people are like, you know what, can you sustain the program? Don't let it fall off. And he says, you know what, I can take it to a higher level. So when you're in that role and you have people that dream and they dream big and they think big, you have ability to do what was announced yesterday. And this has been rumored for a while. And I'm glad that everybody got together because it's a celebration of volleyball throughout the the entire state, which is a great volleyball state from young kids all the way to, we're going to have pro volleyball in 24 in Omaha. And we know what the response has been for the final four, but I think it's just great for the university of Nebraska. I think it's great for Omaha who they're going to play and everybody else that is involved in volleyball, but it just shows you Nebraska volleyball isn't comfortable. It would be very easy to be comfortable and go, ah, you know what last year, Hey, we got to the sweet 16. It didn't work out. They say, no, That was not a season that we wanted. How do we fix that? Okay, you play every match, you're sold out. What are you going to do next? You're going to expand the Devaney? No, we're going to allow more people to come watch us, and we're going to make it cool. They've they've made Nebraska volleyball cool. Now, with Nebraska baseball, you know who I was rooting so hard for last night? And I think it's a guy that we've all gotten to kind of know a little bit, either in person or throughout his now 18-year career playing for Nebraska, is Kyle Perry. Kyle Perry in high school at Millard South was a really, really good basketball player. He was a really, really good baseball player, but he has had arm issues at Nebraska. Not once, but twice. But he never gives up, and he keeps coming back. And for him to be put in that position last night where he has to come on and close, and you know that bullpen last week, they were wearing a gasoline suit walking into a fire, okay? (laughs) And Kyle Perry last night, you know, because Nebraska had a chance at the top of the night to expand the lead against South Alabama – They didn't, so now you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again. And he came in and closed out South Alabama. That also shows me not only good for Kyle Perry, and maybe he becomes the back end of the bullpen, but also good for Will Bolt. You know, they took some knocks last week in San Diego. The offense was better. The starting pitching was okay. They didn't field it real well, and, of course, that bullpen was an absolute mess. But you saw in high-leverage situations last night who they picked and choose on who they could rely on. So hopefully that's the start of some – some good stuff moving down the road. But that was an important win last night for Nebraska because if you were sitting 0-4-1 on the second Saturday of the season, woo, to the message boards we go. <laughs> it's been, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, it is surprising too about Kyle Perry <clears throat> having the arm issues and having Tommy John because when you watch his motion, he's sort of glavin-like. He's so smooth. He doesn't, doesn't appear he's putting strain on his arm at all, uh, but he obviously was. Here's another – there's a couple interesting stats from the – 
from the pitching staff, Gary, they've they've thrown 17 dudes already in five games. Like, mm-hmm. so as part of this too, like it's easy to say, ah, the bullpen's a mess. Is part of it too is just like, hey, early in the season, as a staff, we have decided we're going to try everybody out. We're going to figure out to yep. start to finally thin down and figure out who your guys are. Are we maybe seeing yep. some of that right now? Yeah, absolutely. And then they will thin it to the weekend series. But remember, when Nebraska won the Big Ten and they went to the NCAA tournament, they didn't have to rely on midweek guys. Okay? Yeah. And so last year, Nebraska dropped some key midweek games that you were like, how? Well, they didn't have good pitching in the midweek. So they're going to use the first couple of weeks to decide who are guys that we can rely on in a Big Ten weekend and who are guys that can go out and help us win on a Tuesday and Wednesday. But – this is an opportunity for Jeff Christie to see a lot of different pitchers in a lot of different situations. And then they'll say, hey, we saw you. It didn't work out. Or you've earned the opportunity to go back out there. And, and I think they're also doing that with their position players as well, which is kind of, you know, unfortunately when you're in the Midwest and you got to play on the road, it's a slow build into the season to try and figure things out. That's why when I always start to judge Nebraska baseball or, or Omaha baseball or Creighton baseball after about the first three weeks. Because the first three weeks, they're usually on the road. They're playing a lot of players. They're probably playing really good teams. Well, what have you learned and where are you going from there? But last night was a positive for Nebraska. They needed that desperately. Sharpie uh, will get out with hit by pitch. Did we come to the conclusion that they're at 16 right now? 16, and for frame of reference, that's through five games. And frame of reference, they were 54 all of last year. So they're basically a third of the way there already through five does, games. Does that patience also extend to week three with control Ooh. with well, the pitching staff? Well, I think what, con- what, what's your take? Control, and guys, keep an eye on this. That is well known that Nebraska pitchers, you know, they're having trouble throwing first pitch strikes, and so they're going to try and nibble instead of trying to throw it right across the heart of the plate. Check out – we saw this with San Diego. Check out South Alabama. How many guys are standing right on top of the plate Mm, until you can bust them inside and throw it right by them. They're going to stand on top of the plate and they're going to be like, they can't throw on the inside part. It's going to hit me. That's going to be a common theme. I think until Nebraska pitchers prove that that inside part of the plate belongs to them. Equally interesting. The opponents, Nebraska has been hit themselves 13 times. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So I I wonder if some of that might be, you know, in-game retaliation type stuff or something too, but it's crazy. You see the umpire's wheels blown. turning. Well, we saw. I mean, that's why Will Bolt got thrown out on Sunday in San Diego because of a hit by pitch. Yeah. And so that's that's early in the year. We're starting to see that around college baseball about guys that lean into a pitch. Um, and you know, this is a thing that it's been around college baseball for a while. You know, they kind of they cut it back, but it's used as an advantage. But I, I think you'll watch South Alabama again today. They'll crowd the plate until. Nebraska pitchers can beat them, either throw it right by them down the middle or beat them inside with a pitch. Hey, real quick, too. If they get that control thing figured out, you got you got three starting pitchers right now that are averaging more than five innings to start, which yep. is kind of what you want. And the, the worst batting average against is Comiska. He's only – it's 227. Yep. Emmett Olsen's 189. Shannonman's 167. But their ERAs are all four-plus. Yep. Like it's This is all a control issue. Yeah, I, I like their starters, though. All the way to the back end of the bullpen. And who is that guy in the back end of the bullpen? Is it Shea or is it now Kyle Perry? Gary, I know we, I know we said last thought, and I appreciate some overtime, because we, we have to talk about the, the quote-unquote 
family visit that all the message boards are talking about this weekend. We somehow did not get there. Uh, first oh, off, oh, yeah. I mean, like family visit, quote unquote, the, the timing of it is just so convenient with all the drama this week with the Georgia visit. Is he going to Georgia? Is he not? When's he coming to Nebraska? And, oh, now he's in Nebraska this weekend. It all feels like very convenient timing for a, a nice time to visit your uncle. Yeah, are, are we guys to the point that if Dylan Riola doesn't commit to Nebraska, we are going to be literally shocked? Have we reached that point? You know, I, Nebraska is going to be or in, I say, in, I mean, in it to the end. I, I think there's a monster wow factor with, with Lincoln Riley and what he's done with – quarterbacks first pick overall and I, I think they're that's real George is real and then you've got Nebraska I don't know Casey excuse me uh Dylan uh well enough at all to say is he a guy that wants to go and and be great at a place that needs resurgence or does he want to be the next I, I just don't know that personality yeah and that's fair I, it, we're, uh, we're almost to the point that if he doesn't say yes to Nebraska, I think we're shot. And I hope that we're not crossing into the world of if he doesn't say n- yes to Nebraska, we're crushed. Because I think Nebraska has done a really, really good job. That seems to be a lot of momentum. But, man, until there is a decision made, you're going to ride the roller coaster. And I said that right away. Be prepared for the ups and downs of this. But also be prepared that Nebraska got back into the game and they might get a commitment before they play a game and they start to show what's in place, which would be a heck of a, a heck of a feather in the cap of Matt rule, but That'd be big. I don't buckle up because man, this is, I've never, and I've covered this for a long time. We've all been around for a while, except for Elijah. Uh, I can't recall in a pursuit <laughs> of a recruit by Nebraska football, where this name is daily locally and nationally like Dylan Riola is Frazier. That's the, I think it's the only comparison, and that was pre, it was pre recruiting. Yes. Oh yeah, pre internet. But Fra- you heard about Frazier a lot, and everybody understood the significance when he signed. Mm-hmm. I, I, that I, that's about the only comp I can think of, and that you have to go back a long way. Imagine, imagine the Tommy Frazier coverage if oh, what we're on right now existed yeah. thirty years ago. You know what? And I don't think he would have liked it. No, he would have hated I think, it. I think he liked how Kevin Steele recruited him where it wasn't always a show. It was, hey, we're going to show you something mm-hmm. and, and the way they recruited him. But this is the world we live in, and everybody is talking about him. Every single day there is something new, and we just wait. Will it be at the end of next month? Will it be in the middle of the summer? When will it be? You know, When will it benefit Nebraska for him to say yes? Good stuff. Sharpie, enjoy uh, Denver, despite what Thank Crane painted. And, wow. Uh, he will not be slalom. mayor here anytime. Yeah. You got to do slalom on the heroin addicts on your walk. We'll get caught up uh, next weekend. Uh, get sharp with us. That'll wind down the weekend edition of uh, Hail Varsity presented by Currency. A Huda Media Production. 
Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.